downloading today's UW Alumni Podcast. Today in studio, we have Nicole Harris, a Bachelor of Commerce graduate. Nicole currently works as a human resources professional within the local government sector. Prior to this role, Nicole's experiences range across the oil and gas and hospitality industries. Welcome, Nicole. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, it's a great time to get you in because before we went on air, you are talking that you were getting ready for a presentation at the convention center where you're going to be presenting to your old high school. Yes, yeah. So I've been uh, very lucky, very privileged to have been invited back by my old high school, so Mindari Senior College, um, and they've asked me to present to their Year 12 graduates um, next Wednesday, so that's going to be quite exciting. Does the high school stay in contact with you with you much over the years, or is it a case of they've seen you do so well, and they're like, hey, Nicole, come back? Uh, it's actually quite a funny story. So um, earlier this year, I identified within myself that um, public speaking is a development area of mine, um, and it's something that I'd like to improve on and kind of get a bit more confidence in. And so I actually reached out to my high school and said, look, you know, this is what I've been doing over the last few years since leaving school and, you know, going to uni and all the rest of it. Um, if you ever need someone to come back and speak to the students and talk to them about their careers and where they're going next, keep me in mind. Um, let me know. Um, and they touched base with me probably a couple of months ago. They had a colour award um, ceremony, which is where they provide students who have an ATAR um, expected ATAR rather of above 90 would get a colour award so they're the high achievers and they invited me over to speak to those students to talk a bit about the transition from high school through to uni and you know how to make a decision about their career um, and then through that they said that uh, they were really impressed with my uh, speech and the way that I approached the whole evening and so now they've invited me back for next Wednesday, which is good. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing what happens when you are the one that's been proactive and reaching out to your school. Because we do get that a lot at times uh, when UW grads reach out to us saying, what opportunities are there for me to share my experience with yeah. current students, which is yeah. fantastic. Now, prior to your time, I guess, at Mindari, you actually were born and living in Malaysia and you moved to Perth when you were 12. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit about your time growing up in Malaysia? Um, so schooling and culture, everything really is quite different in Malaysia, as you can um, appreciate. So um, I grew up in Malaysia. I was born there um, and I went to school there. I actually went to a Chinese public uh, primary school, cool. which meant that everything was taught in Mandarin. Wow. Uh, which was a challenge, to and say the least. And you still speak Mandarin to that? Um, I can definitely converse in Mandarin. Look, I wouldn't be too confident in my reading and writing ability sure. today. <laughs> but, you know, if you put me in China and I need to help you with directions, I can definitely do that. Not Beautiful. a problem. <laughs> yeah. You moved here when you were 12. Did you ever think about life outside of Malaysia even while you were living there? I think, uh, so in terms of a bit of a background for me, so my mum is Malaysian Chinese and my dad is Australian. So sure. um, growing up as a child, I was always very aware that the opportunity to at some point move to Australia would probably come up in the you know future for me. So um, at the time as a family, we just made a decision that we'd like to move to Australia for many reasons. But I think one of the biggest ones um, was to do with opportunity and I guess the ability to have a better education um, and better futures for, for the kids and the family, uh, which is why we moved to Perth. Um, so there was always um, the idea that I would have Australia kind of in the background at some point in life. When that might be was, was never concrete, but I'm uh, very, very lucky, definitely. Very cool. Now, and then after you finished in Mindari, you came to UWA. I mean, mm -hmm. what, what attracted you to coming to study at UWA? Uh, so it's twofold. Uh, the first one, probably a bit superficial. Uh, I remember coming to an open day 
uh, for UWA and um, just looking at the kind of grounds and how well maintained everything is and it just feels like the kind of place where you would want to go to and really um, delve into and invest time in um, also kind of looks like castles and Hogwarts so you know <laughs> you're um, not the first person <laughs> to say that yeah and peacocks are nice and you know that I love the peacocks <laughs> and the little ducklings it just feels like a very very well-maintained respected institution um, and then I guess the more important reason really is because UWA is recognized as a top 100 university across the world um, and so I wanted to make sure that uh, at every given opportunity, I was going to aim for the best that I could, and so that's what I did. When you finished uni, did you know you were going to get into HR? Yeah, so uh, the decision was actually made within the first year of university where I would go in terms of specialising for my career. Um, when I finished high school, I knew that I wanted to work with people. Initially, my interest uh, landed more in the science area, um, in particular psychology and psychiatry okay. as well. Um, at that time, though, uh, I did have a couple of friends who had completed psychology degrees or, you know, were in their final years of master's and really struggling to find work. Um, and so, and also I tend to have a nat natural ability in kind of commerce, accounting, economics, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so I made a decision about how I would marry up my interests with my abilities um, and human resources sounded like a pretty interesting way to kind of marry the two. And so I decided to go through with a Bachelor of Commerce majoring in HR. And I still did my minor in psychology, which really complements quite well. Um, I found that quite interesting. But yes, that's how I made the decision. What does a typical day look like for you? Oh, there are no typical days in human well, resources. You yeah, you say there's no, no two days <laughs> are the same, are they? No, definitely not. There are no typical days. I mean, today I've got some interviews. I've also got some meetings to do performance management. This morning we were talking about employee engagement and um, yesterday I was talking about um, completely revising the city's remuneration um, strategy. Wow. So no two days are the same. I'm very lucky in my current role where I um, have the ability to work across many different departments um, and that challenges me in different ways as well. Yeah, it's been really good. Now, how many people are in HR in your current role? I'm kind of curious. Um, so seven there are seven so there's seven, in my team. And, yeah. and I know in your bio you mentioned that in your previous role you were the only HR person, yes. and including you know, your performance management, policy revision and development, employee contract revision, employee mm -hmm. relations, training and development, payroll, managing terminations, and other general HR yes. admin duties. <laughs> How were you able to do all of that as the only one person in that organisation? Uh with great determination, I would say. Um, so the it was a smaller organisation in that it was a multinational company, so we had branches across the world. I was responsible for human resources and payroll functions for um, Australia, New Zealand, China. Wow. And so um, at the time as well, we were very close to the downturn in the oil and gas industry, and so we did have a skeleton staff but I was managing quite significant restructure and kind of redundancy processes, especially with our kind of more offshore type operations. So um, it wasn't easy. It's all about, I guess, really telling yourself that you can do it and finding out where you might uh, be able to get the resources you need from and then working through a process of making sure you meet all of your deadlines. Now, where did this determination come from? Because one thing I found really interesting in your bio was you purchased your first home at age 21, yep. 
where, where did that determination come from? Was it, you know, from your family growing up in Malaysia? Was it your, your time at Mindari, your time at UWA? Yeah, so, I mean, not to give you, I guess, like, bore you with all of the detail, but essentially, you know, growing up in Malaysia, we didn't have a very easy childhood. Um, and then coming to Australia and seeing all of the opportunity that just really readily available there for you, all you have to do is go out and grab it and kind of run with it. Uh, that really... Um, drove me to uh, want to do my very best in everything that I kind of was committed to. So um, from a very young age through high school, I was always working while I was studying through uni. I had almost like three jobs at some points through uni whilst doing full-time uni. Um, I told myself I, and I, I was very uh, set on making sure that I had goals and I was going to work my butt off to achieve them no matter kind of what was in my way. So um, I remember uh probably halfway through second year when you know the downturns all happening and everyone's talking about how you know houses are unaffordable and there are no jobs etc and I'm going I'm going to be the different one I'm going to be the person that makes it at the age of 21 I want to have my first property um was not easy hence the three jobs through uni um and then even after that kind of going into full-time work and still keeping some of that casual work so the three jobs at uni I mean how many hours was that all up per Um, per week Probably close to 30, maybe. Wow. Close to 30 hours, I would wow. say. Yeah. And you, I want to really touch on before when you're saying, you know, in Malaysia, you didn't have, I guess, the, the best uh, mm-hmm. childhood, and mm-hmm. then you come to Australia and there's all these opportunities. Mm-hmm. Can you elaborate a bit more there? What are the opportunities? Because I think, for especially someone like myself who's mm. been born and raised in Australia, I've had all these opportunities and just take it for granted. Yes. I mean, what differences, what opportunities are there in Australia that necessarily didn't have in Malaysia? Yeah, okay. So I guess the biggest one for me is the education that you are provided with just free of charge. So um, in Malaysia, I think it's no secret that the public system doesn't necessarily meet the I guess the same um, standards as our Australian public system yep. from an education perspective second to that as well uh, going to university and having the opportunity to apply for something like hex or help whatever it may be called mm. um, is great because it means that if you really want to study all you've got to do is work hard and you're going to be able to do that um, whereas it's not the case in Malaysia. There's a huge process if you want to apply for kind of government assistance and even then it's not really fully subsidised. So there's a definitely a financial limitation there on um, how far you can go with your education. Yeah, have a clear interest in volunteering. Yes. Uh, whether you did it during uni, outside of uni, I'm not sure, but I guess we'll find out. Mm-hmm. But I mean, where did the passion come from? Because you know, I can see you know, you've know you volunteered for the Heart Foundation, RSPCA, Cancer Council, Conserva- Conservation Volunteers Australia, Breast Cancer Network Australia. Mm-hmm. You are clearly someone that will not take no for an answer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Where did the passion for volunteering come from? Um, I think with volunteering especially, it's very important that you um, are doing it for the right reasons. So from my perspective, um, I think it's a two-way street no matter what you invest in and what you decide to put your time to, which means that if you are choosing to volunteer for an organisation, for me, I need to make sure that not only um, is it going to benefit them, but there's also some sort of benefit for me. And whether that's from a development perspective or a fulfilment perspective, whatever that may be, there needs to be kind of um, value found on both sides of, of, of that 
relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always kind of sought out opportunities when I was younger to um, look for different ways to broaden my horizons, to understand a bit more about the world, to understand a bit more about what options are out there from a volunteering perspective and where else I can invest my time. I guess, you know, a lot of my time through uni was spent studying and working um, and I felt like there was a part of me that really wanted to also give back as well. Um, and whilst I get gave back, I also had the opportunity to receive from a development perspective yep. in terms of building my social skills and understanding how corporations work. And that was going to help me um, later down the track when I wanted to look for work. So. And was that clear in, I guess, first job interview you had that, that volunteer experience that you had at uni transferred into your role and I guess open up that door for you to get Mm. that first job so not necessarily in terms of you know questions directly asking about my volunteer experience uh, but I think definitely from an interpersonal skills perspective and the ability to understand um, the questions that are coming across and the perspective of the organization and perhaps where they're coming from and what answers they're after I think being exposed to different organizations even through a volunteering capacity Mm -hmm. really allows you to understand better what they're after and, and and how they operate. Now, I'm going to flip it now because I want to kind of t- go into the HR world sure. and I always kind of pick, pe- I like to pick HR's brains when it comes to these things. <laughs> so sure. What are some of the biggest mistakes you see employees making today? I mean, you work for a few organisations. Mm. Is there sometimes a common theme that uh, organisations fail to meet? Uh, I think in terms of, th- there's two sides. I think mm. there are big, you know, mistakes that some employees make and of course, obviously big mistakes that employers or organisations make as well. So mm. if I go with the first one for employees, um, one of the biggest things that I see um, employee, biggest mistakes that employees make would be thinking that they're replaceable, thinking that they're entitled to the role that they're currently in um, and feeling like there is nobody else that could do their job because I promise you, you most definitely are replaceable and it's probably not a nice thing to hear and not a nice pill to swallow but it is the truth so what I find is employees who feel like they're entitled to a position or they've been there for an x number of years and so this is their job now and there's no way you can touch them Mm. those are the employees that are often not motivated Mm -hmm. not performing not engaged um, and as such not delivering on the outcomes that we need from them and as that progresses, then they become increasingly a liability to the organisation and we will look to replace you. So becoming complacent and feeling entitled to the position that you're in is definitely the biggest mistake because it makes you, like I said, very complacent. Can you see that, I guess, sometimes with some employees, you can kind of see this curve there, there. They're passionate about their role and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden they start to get a bit comfortable and then they you feel like they might be slowly going mm-hmm. down the edge. Is it your role to to notice that before it becomes a problem? Um, I think there's definitely both sides to play here. Um, As an organisation or as human resources, I would be doing my very best to engage with the leader of that person um, to make sure that their development needs are being catered for. So what that essentially means is if someone is has been in a role for a little while and now they're outgrowing their position in terms of they need more, they're not challenged, they want to do something a little bit, a little bit different, the leader should pick up on that and really look for opportunities to develop that person in where they want to go to next. In the same kind of manner though, the employee really needs to take some initiative and responsibility as well. So if you as an employee feel like you are no longer being challenged in your role 
or you are not engaged for whatever reason because you've been there for X number of years and it's not something that you want to do and you have an idea of where you'd like to go next, have that discussion with your leader about what you need to develop between now and then so that when you go for an interview for that senior role or the next step up, you're ready and you've been developed to get there. So definitely both sides needs to come to the party and agree on how they might continue to be engaged through that process. Yeah, that's really good advice. What gives you the most satisfaction at work in your current role? Hmm. What gives me the most satisfaction, I think, is being able to see from an HR perspective. I'm very lucky in that I almost get a bird's eye view of the organisation. So I can see different pockets of the organisation and perhaps some issues or concerns that might arise. And my role really is to make sure that I have a good overview and understanding of what's going on. And then I can provide tailored advice to the leaders to allow changes to trickle down through them. So I think working in human resources, for me personally, I find it quite fulfilling when I have not had a direct involvement in an employee's employment with the city in terms of I'm not the one having the conversation with you. I'm not the one who's sending you on a training course or talking to you about your development, but I've provided advice to the leader because I can see everything else that's going on. And the leader then goes and has that conversation and builds that relationship. And then through that, you see the employee really develop and grow. That really provides me with a lot of satisfaction because I feel like I'm a bit of a fly on the wall and I'm almost providing that advice on the sidelines and then I can see that it has an impact trickling down through the organisation and that's quite fulfilling And I can see it's a case of you're leading from behind as well. Yes. Which is, I think, uh, as I said, not too many people get to see what HR do, but the the impact you're having on the organisation is fantastic. Yeah, I think a lot of people think that human resources is quite transactional, like, you know, I've got leave, this, that and the other, which, I mean, there is definitely a part of that as well, but there is so much more behind it that goes uh, through our minds in terms of strategy and where we want to go to as an organisation and how we're going to get there with our people. Now, we're about to run out of time, but there is one little curveball question I was keen to can to ask you mm-hmm. what's the best way to ask for a pay rise mm, I think that's the wrong question to be asking <laughs> actually Josh so I think the question you should be asking is what is the value I'm providing to the organization I'm in and what I'm currently being paid does that align with that value and if it doesn't for whatever reason then we need to make an assessment about the gap And if you feel like the value you provide the organisation is more than what you're currently being paid, do your research. Figure out from a market perspective where your role sits and from a remuneration perspective, what are you looking for and then have that conversation. But until you've figured out whether or not the value you're providing the organisation is worth the remuneration that you're after, it would be premature to have that conversation with your leader because you're going to have to basically justify why you are worth more. Sound advice, and I should say that's not a question for me. I'm very, very <laughs> happy. Now, fine. last question. We always finish off every podcast asking this question. So if you could give any career advice to a first-year student, what would it be? I think really take the time to think about the impact that you want to have on the people around you and the things that you value. Really take the time to focus on who it is that you want to be. Doesn't necessarily have to be a career move. It could be, you know, the kind of impact that you want to have on people and how you're going to get there as well in terms of, you know, what are your natural abilities? Really hone in on those. Like I mentioned before earlier, my passion was about people. I wanted to do psychology, but I also recognize I had a natural ability in business. And so I kind of coupled them together 
um, and that's where you're going to get the most benefit. So really have a balanced thought about what's realistic, but also who do you want to be in five to ten years, the impact that you want to have on the people around you, and how do you marry that up into something that you're going to do for you know quite a while from a career perspective. Those are some of the best advice, not even just a first-year student, but I think anybody can take. Now, Nicole, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate you coming in. Uh, good luck with the talk at Mandari High School, thank the graduation, you. and uh, hopefully we'll get to talk with you soon. Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for downloading today's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Are you interested in volunteering? UW provides you the opportunity to mentor a student, organise a reunion, or even help at a graduation. Visit our website and find out how you can make a difference today.